the National Archives podcast series, 20th Century Cabinet Records, digitizing a core collection of modern political records, presented by Ed Hampshire. I um, introduce myself, I'm Ed Hampshire. I work in research and collections development, but two days a week I am the um, higher education content manager for a major digitization that we've embarked on this year, funded by the Joint Information Services Committee. We received um, £800,000 from them to digitise 20th century cabinet records. And that's what I'm here today to talk about. Okay, what is being digitised? The records that are being digitised are cabinet conclusions from 1916 and cabinet memoranda from 1915-16. And if you know your records and are familiar with them, it's those record series at the bottom there. Now, the cabinet conclusions um, are probably known generally as the cabinet minutes. They are these volumes up in the reading room, and that's currently how, you, how most people access them. Um, facsimile photocopies from the 60s, 70s onwards, available on site, and some versions on microfilm. The conclusions, in fact, are quite tidied up versions of the original cabinet discussions. Reading the conclusions themselves, you don't get any idea of, say, any arguments within cabinet. Um, so that, that they were basically distributed within government um, quite tightly to senior civil servants to demonstrate what decisions had been made and what discussion had gone into the decisions. They weren't there to describe the fact that Attlee got very annoyed with an R.M. Bevan or whatever. Um, so they're quite cleaned up, but they give you all the information you need if you're a 20th century historian and looking at the decisions of, of government at the time. What we're also digitising are the memoranda, the papers that went to cabinet ministers before each cabinet meeting. And they're in the series 24 and uh, 66, 67, 68 and 129. And there are variations on this, and there's various bits and pieces that are going into this in addition to that. A couple of Imperial War cabinets from the First World War um, and a few other bits and pieces. But primarily, this is what we're digitising. And it's about um, 600,000 images. When will it be completed? And we won't actually be finished until um, uh, spring in 2009. Um, we're currently digitising the images from film, transcribing descriptions, and writing contextual material to go around the package. Um, and we're working within the National Archives standard um, project management parameters. Um, you don't really need to know what they are, but essentially, um, hopefully, it should ensure that everything's done on time to the, uh, the quality you would hope and expect from the National Archives. Right, OK. I'll talk a little bit more about um, where we got the money from. The Joint Information Services Committee, I don't know how many people would have heard of that, um, is a committee coming off the Higher Education Funding Council for England. Primarily, it's about um, funding uh, IT enhancements for the higher education sector. And that's the money we got from them, and it's being released to us on an annual basis until the project is completed. Um, so the audience is primarily higher education um, and the academic audience. However, we are putting in there um, aspects that will help the general user, obviously, um, schools, colleges, further education, and so on. Okay, what will be available? I've already um, briefly set out the records that we're digitising, but the big difference with previous digitisations is how they're going to be available. Um, what we would call in here functionality, or basically the bells and whistles of um, what we've got, uh, what you'd have on a digitisation, rather. And I'll go through each in turn, the search, the browse capability, and um, also it's going to be accessible on Learning Curve, which is our school's um, web area. Uh, the, the school's side of what we're doing is primarily focused on the A-level syllabus. 
but it'll also be available on what we call global search. When you go to our homepage, the main search box that you went into to begin with, it'll be available on that. So it's not going to be hidden away in a corner. It's going to be part of the standard search you'd undertake when you're on our website. Search capabilities, and this is where it gets probably more sophisticated than previous digitizations um, and where the innovation is coming in. There will be search fields for keywords, and this will be full text searchable, i.e. every single word within a cabinet meeting, within this thing and the, the many others that go with it. It's not just the description of the documents, which is the standard approach we've taken with documents online in the past, um, the name of the soldier on the medal card, um, so on and so forth every single bit of text. And this is using um, technology called optical character recognition, OCR. But again, you don't need to do that. Um, essentially, what you've got is a computer program that interprets the signs and symbols of the, um, uh, the image in order to interpret a word out of it and then fit that with your search. We've also got a more traditional search by description, agenda items, um, the name of the memoranda, the title of the memoranda, the attendees at Cabinet, the date ranges, the former references. So if you've got a document that's got a former internal cabinet reference in there, again, you'll be able to search that. Date range attendees, former reference. Okay, browsing and contextual material. Users will be able to browse by subject area um, using over 100 contextual packages. Now these are about 500 to 1,000 word little essays um, covering 100 policy areas within 20th century government from defence policy, imperial policy, through to the NHS, um, through to national insurance, many different subject areas. And then each of these little introductions to the subject area will then link through to selected um, cabinet conclusions or memoranda. So this is a very good way in if you don't know too much about the historical background to these records. As we're aiming this at the sort of the higher education sector, we're hoping this will fit into um, undergraduate or postgraduate tutors and their courses, so that when they do reading lists for, um, for essays and work, that they might include a link into what we're able to provide, which will be a good intro into the subject. That's the aim anyway. Um, and then we're setting out other contextual sections as well. A history of the Cabinet and the Cabinet Office, um, a political timeline for the 20th century, different ministries, what happened in each year, um, and then a glossary of words and the way that words are different in the actual records from what we'd use today. For example, if you're a student searching immigration history and you put in immigration, you would get very little at all, almost nothing. Because the terms that government used at the time would have been terms like alien, naturalisation, those sorts of terms, not really standard today um, for students and for anyone, actually. And other things about names of countries that no longer exist, um, changes the name Tanganyika, Upper Volta, that sort of thing. So there'll be a glossary in there that'll, that'll help researchers actually get into these records without too much interpretation. Okay, we also have um, schools packages as well. As I said earlier, we're trying to fit into um, A-level syllabuses. And these packages are going to be different. Rather than going across the piece and trying to cover everything in a very much sort of summary basis, we're going really deep into two areas. We've just started putting the school packages together. And this will fit into syllabi so that A-level teachers um, and tutors can use these as part of an element within their term syllabus or a project and so on. And this is similar to work that we've got five, six, seven years' worth of experience with in the learning curve um, through our education department. Okay, I've rattled through this. 
at immense speed, as I was told to um, keep things uh, short and sweet. And I think I've probably done that in, uh, in seven, seven or eight minutes. So I'm very happy to talk a little bit further about certain areas, to field questions, and I can go into more detail about the cabinet records themselves. I suppose what I could do is talk about the fact that we're starting these in 1916, 1915, which might beg the question, why are you starting this such a strange year, right in the middle of the First World War? This is because cabinet meetings weren't actually recorded prior to that. Obviously, the cabinet existed since the 17th, 18th century, but the meetings weren't actually formally recorded. Ministers went away from meetings getting completely different ideas of what had actually been decided. The closest you could get... It's true. It's not actually until Lloyd George um, becomes Prime Minister in late 1916 that we actually start to record cabinet meetings properly with a secretariat. There is no cabinet office before that period. The nearest you get is looking at the letters the Prime Minister would have sent the Sovereign each week about um, business that that had happened in government and in cabinet. And that is the best way, if we're interested in 18th and 19th century cabinet, in finding out what was actually going on, what decisions were made. So that's why we're starting in such a sort of strange year, right in the middle of the First World War. We're also ending in 1975, but what we're hoping to do is when the project launches in April 2009, um, that we'll be able to go up to the 1978 records um, that would have been just released prior to the launch. So we're, we're taking quite a wide range, covering most of the 20th century. All the packages that we're doing are um, I'm very much fitting into what's discussed at Cabinet. So that's one thing to be aware of, is that it's just Cabinet itself. If you're looking for um, decisions and material relating to intelligence, you'll find that it's actually quite rare that Cabinet would have discussed intelligence matters. It would have been farmed off to a committee. Exactly the same issue with atomic and nuclear weapons. Probably the most well-known example is in the mid-70s where Harold Wilson and Jim Callaghan pushed through Cheveline, which was an upgrade to the Polaris uh, nuclear missile system, and that was done outside Cabinet almost completely. It was done through a Cabinet committee with hand-picked ministers chosen by Callaghan. So not everything's going to be in here, but what you've got is a gigantic cross-section of what I hope is political history across the 20th century, as I said, from social history, economic history, various economic crises in the interwar and post-war period, um, diplomatic history, imperial history, very, very wide range, and also quite a bit of detail about the prosecution of the Second and First World Wars. This event was recorded live as part of the Catalogue Awareness Day on November the 30th, 2007, at the National Archives. This podcast is copyright to the National Archives, all rights reserved.